All right, good morning. Uh, so when I started at uh, Harvard Business School, uh, one of the most so the one thing that I didn't quite understand is why every classroom has this big document camera. And then there's a side with all these you know, monitors and computers. And then, uh, so once I, once I was told what it was, it, uh, it made sense. Usually, when you're doing something, you always are running out of time. And then when you're using slides, uh, you actually print them, and then you bring them to the document camera. So what you do is, when you're running out of time, you actually pick ones that you want and uh, you sort of just put them on the camera, they get reflected. Unfortunately, we don't have the document camera here, but I do have slides, which means you're going to actually have to endure slides that I'll just run through. Uh, that were meant for two minutes, you're going to see them in maybe two seconds, so, so bear with me. Uh, so we're gonna have some slides, and maybe I should get a clicker if we have one. So my job is really to set up the day. Uh, was, what we are doing here is to get to understand uh, what has happened with uh, the, the Alliance. I, I had my first sort of interaction with the Alliance, as uh, uh, Mr. Chairman said, back in 2018. Uh, and uh, just within the last few months, I've been to three events. So I was in Rome, uh, I joined them in Boston in November, and then I'm here in Cape Town. Uh, so it's really fantastic. So let's see if I get uh, do we have the clicker so I can actually move them forward? All right, it looks like I have to stay here with the mic. I'm not used to staying in one place. <clears throat> ah, let's do that. And the water goes missing. All right, how is that? Ah, much better. All right. So, so to, to, I guess what we're talking about is where is Harambe going next? Like, so one of the things that I want to do for maybe just sort of a, a few minutes uh, is to really sort of briefly discuss some of the things that I have learned uh, in understanding what Harambe is. So I had the pleasure to work with uh, uh, Francesco uh, over the last several months. Uh, and so one of the, the, the beauty of actually working with Francesco was he has been there from the beginning. Right? And so I read books, I watched videos uh, of all the things that you all have been doing over the last several years, but then to sort of get that context in terms of, you know, what does it actually mean uh, to be a Rambians? And so I think in some ways what my, my hope or my job is for those that are here for the first time, uh, you know, to, to sort of get uh, a, a brief overview or a summary for, from someone who has looked at this from an academic perspective, right? I sort of tried to put a theory to it. So what's the theory here? What's the framework? Uh, the same way that I'll teach in an MBA classroom. Uh, and then for those that are sort of that already understand what um, Arambe does, I also try to sort of, you know, sort of make you think of Arambe from a different perspective, uh, you know, sort of using some of the things that we, uh, you know, that I would have sort of used in a, in, in a classroom here. So let's sort of see uh, where this is going to actually go. Or maybe you can just go to the next one for me. Thank you. All right, so I have to say this uh, because, you know, after sort of the many years of being here as someone who was learning about Arambe from an academic perspective, I've signed a document as of this year that makes me an ad, uh, a member of the advisory board. So Harvard requires that I let you know uh, because I'm no longer an independent academic. I am now. <laughs> so so my, 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 my views may be slightly biased, right? Because of sort of, you know, the, the, I guess, you know, if there was some... Uh, uh, something that I had uh, drunk from it, sort of the Kool-Aid, 
Uh, and so I still will be as objective as possible, but I just want you to know uh, also they will require me to say this anyways. Uh, and again, thanks to, uh, to Francesco uh, Tronti for, for being a co-author. And we also worked with uh, one of our senior research associates from the uh, Johannesburg office, uh, who was our, our research person on the ground, sort of set up all the interviews to all those that we talked to. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, right, so we can go on to the next. Now we're done with the legalities here. All right, so, so back in 2018, right, this is you know, sort of the beginning of my journey with the, with the Alliance. I sort of had this, you know, sort of surprise in invitation to meet with these young Africans that were coming uh, and being born in Zimbabwe, uh, having grown up uh, in Zimbabwe, high school, and then went to the U.S. My goal in my research has been to understand what was happening uh, on the continent of Africa. And so people sort of knew that's really, you know, one of the things that I was excited about, and so they sent me to, to the Arambians. Uh, they didn't tell me what it was that they wanted to do. They just said, pick a case. Uh, and talk about it. And so one of my absolute favorite cases was Alibaba, right, in terms of what they've done. So one of the things, if you really sort of think about what happened in China, there were sort of problems with fake goods, problems with tanks. You know, I think if you listen to uh, John Stewart, one of the comedians uh, in the U.S., he would say, you know, if you order a book, you may end up getting sort of fake golf balls, you know, things that will come in a box. And so if you are a supplier or a customer, you have issues. Right? And so, for example, the suppliers, you're wondering if someone actually buys something, you know, are they actually honest? Are they going to pay you? Uh, you know, do you actually manufacture things and ship them before you get payment? If you are the customer, you're wondering, is this uh, supplier or the manufacturer that I'm actually buying something from uh, an honest person who is actually going to deliver the right things that I've asked for? And so there's, you know, some issues here. But for the transaction to work, you need some trust, right? And so Alibaba comes in, and they do several things, right, to be able to sort of create that trust. So just a sampling of the few here. I mean, we can actually list a number of the things that they've done. Number one, it was this sort of the escrow. Okay, so you're a supplier uh, and a customer. There is an account waiting with the money as soon as the goods are delivered, and then we can actually release some of that money. That was actually very smart because if you're Alibaba, you have a lot of money sitting in a bank. We call that float. You know, if it's sitting there for two days, you know, if it's like millions and billions of dollars for two days, you can do a lot of things, you know. Uh, and so that was very smart from a business perspective uh, to get the float, but it also created the way for the customer and the supplier to trust, to trust one another. And so I'll sort of jump on, you know, we'll sort of stop there, but if you want a full lesson of the Alibaba case, it's a fantastic case. We, we spent about 80 minutes so we're just going to spend the, the, the two minutes. So let's go to the next slide. I'm sort of getting to where Harambe sort of fits in here. So where Harambe sort of, sort of start to fit in is this idea of the trust that we see in the product market, right? So if I want to buy something, I want to be able to have that trust. The same trust actually applies when I'm going to be an investor or an entrepreneur, right? So both ways, uh, there has to be a flow of information. There has to be a flow of trust between, I guess we have uh, our slides cut down here, but the ones down there is, one on one hand, we have investors. On the other hand, we have entrepreneurs. They need to have that trust as well to be able to actually uh, get money flowing where it's needed and also sort of information going back to the investors. Right? They have to trust that the, the managers and the firms uh, are good. So if we can go on to the next slide. Uh, if you need to see all the full slides, you can sort of come to me later on. Uh, and so what happens in the capital markets? Right? So there's sort of this really sort of broad infrastructure or mechanisms that to ensure that you know, trust is safeguarded. It's not guaranteed, 
right? You know, as we know, there's fraud that happens, many other things that happen. But there's sort of all these different mechanisms. You have investors that are sophisticated, that we can sort of demand information. You've got regulators in the capital markets that we have rules and policies. You've got sort of litigation, you've lost it. You have many, many other things. You have auditors, right? Board of governors, like the, the different aspects of the capital markets that, work, that make the financial system work. Now, if we were to sort of say, okay, let's sort of think about an entrepreneur in Africa, right? You, you know, do they have sort of the same things where an investor is actually going to be happy to give them money? So we'll go on to the next one. Uh, and so here's one of the things that if you're reading the case, you sort of find that, you know, they sort of, you know, they're, in, in the absence of some of these systems, especially in the private markets where entrepreneurs are looking for money, you don't have all those other infrastructures to sort of, you know, give comfort or some, so, uh, so some assurance to an investor that, you know, my money will go and be used for the same things that I actually want. And so, you know, in the context of Africa, and also in the context of setting up where Harambe fits in, is this idea that most people, when you sort of, you know, mention the word Africa, be it local investors, foreign investors, right? You sort of think of corruption, you, you know, I think there was sort of, uh, yesterday, I think it was Joshua who sort of said, the economist said Africa, the hopeless continent, and then there was sort of Africa, the rising, and then after Africa, the rising, there was, you know, a problem. So that rising didn't really happen. And then people were sort of wondering if now we are in the Africa rising again. Uh, and so what does this mean if you're an entrepreneur, right, with this perception? So the next slide will sort of show us that, you know, there is a problem that happens. There's in some ways a disconnect. So if an African entrepreneur here, obviously we are making, you know, generalizations here. There are exceptions, right? I think to, there's always an exception where some people are, not experiencing this, but in general, we may think of an African entrepreneur being there, investors global, investors local here, there's really no way to connect. So the way that I understand the Arambians, or sort of the way that we've sort of discussed what actually does Arambian do, uh, is sort of the next slide here, where we are saying, uh, now we have Arambian bringing all these different pieces together, right? So forming an ecosystem, where everything is connected sort of between the local, the global investors, we have the partners, we have the entrepreneurs, and sort of there's some direct links, and I think I, I tried to make this complicated. It can actually get very complicated, because as we just heard, we no longer just have entrepreneurs as Arambians, right? We have them as partners, we have them as investors, we have them as advisors, so it's really a true ecosystem that is sort of recycling uh, some of the nutrients, so to speak, to be able to continue to, to sustain itself. So this is where Harambe fits in. Right. And so what I want to do, at least for the next maybe, uh, let's see, uh, 10 minutes, is to actually bring up some of the Arambians that have gone through this ecosystem to be able to sort of give us a sense of what does it mean for them to have been in this part of the, the, the ecosystem. So I think we have some wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, Harambians we've chosen. So uh, Ms. Aboeji. Uh, you've sort of already heard of, uh, of what he does. Uh, Ms. Epstein, if you may also come up. And uh, Mr. Babu, I'm not, I'm not in the way, so to speak. So again, right, so we're talking about this as an ecosystem. One where we are hoping that it continues to be sustainable, but one that sort of corrects some of the things that may have been lacking in the African market. What are your thoughts? So we'll start with you, Mr. Abu. Um, one of my thoughts in terms of what I've what have you sort of, what does this mean to you? What have you received from it? What have you uh, okay. uh, sort of given to it? And what do you continue to do going forward? Okay, so I joined the Alliance in 2010, which seems like uh, a 
an entire fund ago, for those of you who are venture capitalists. And, um, you know, by the grace of God, we've been able to return the fund. Um, but at the time when I joined the Alliance, I remember I joined with an idea called uh, Project Cheetah. And the idea was basically, you know, we're going to build a university that would basically build up the people who would go and build out the continent. And I think the biggest thing that, that I personally gained from the Alliance in those early days was just being in a group of inspiring people and recognizing that you're not crazy. Or at least there's somewhere where you're not crazy, right? Because, um, you know, I was, like most Africans, I was in a school abroad um, in Waterloo. It was a great school, um, but Africa was not top of the agenda. So if you were having a conversation about Africa, that was more or less like a sideshow. Um, and the Africans who were, other Africans who were there, recognizing the prevailing sentiment, also recognized um, that, uh, you know, probably better for me to put my head down, try and get a job after I graduate, and I can live here for the rest of my life. And so if you were someone who was African in a global university and focused on Africa issues, you were very much in the minority. So simply having a community of people who could, who you, who you, who could identify with what you were trying to do with your life was helpful. And then the relationship kind of grew from there. So um, I, you know, Project Cheetah obviously didn't work. I was still in school. Um, went on to another venture. Um, again, this time I went, I went to an event that was put together by Harambe at the Harvard Club. And that was where I met uh, Puleta Okubong, who's uh, uh, the chairman angel. <laughs> um, so Pule and I connected there. Um, he sold his home <laughs> in New York to invest in our venture, which was kind of an immense act of sacrifice and um, that was that became Fora and also Mr. Belo uh, also invested as well taking from their meager savings so it wasn't like we had angels I'm very happy now that we have the Oppenheimers and everybody but this is a self-funded alliance <laughs> so all the seeds came from here um, so it was having that group of people who believed in something that was not mainstream at the time was 10 years away from becoming mainstream, but were willing to sacrifice their own personal resources to do that. Now, obviously, what that sacrifice inspires is that you can't lose their money. So, <laughs> so even though Fora didn't work out, when we were asked, you know, when we happened upon another idea, it was in the spirit of, well, someone sold their home to give me money, and someone probably... Uh, you know, scale down their apartment to give me money. So there's no way I'm just going to abandon their, their, them and then go off and do something new, especially if I think this new thing has a greater propensity to return their capital. And so I moved over with all my Harambe investors into the new thing. And I think that's where the third aspect of it is. It's a lifelong relationship, right? Um, I've, I've, I first take money from Harambians before I take money from anywhere else. And I prioritize Harambians, uh, including Mr. Tesh and quite a number of folks, when I fund. Because the community of people who believed, who share your values and who believed early, um, 
it has to stay that community. You know what I mean? It has to be a benefit of access to that community. So, you know, even, even if tomorrow, you know, uh, I was starting a company and there was money everywhere, I would first of all start with, where is the money for, from Harambe? Which is why I'm hoping Francesco convinces the yeah. chairman to let us start this venture fund, Harambe. Yeah. <laughs> this commercial venture fund, because we, we would like to return the fund again. This time uh, in Harambe's own coffers. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, for me, uh, I learned about the Alliance in 2019. Late 2019, I made an application. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get in the first time. Uh, but I always tracked what was going on and when applications were opening for the Alliance because I could tell uh, that this thing was special even without coming in. And that's by looking at you know, the group of people who you've been reading about, including Mr. Aboyeji. Uh, who are part of the alliance, and at that point, you, your venture is very young. 2019 Market Force was less than one year old when we applied. And uh, I knew I wanted to be part of this group of people who are doing great things in the continent. So I really had the belief that uh, one day I'd, I'd get into the alliance. Luckily, early 2020, the second application, I made it in. And um, when the, the, the process was very rigorous, so all Harambeans here, you know, how <laughs> yeah, what it takes to get in, but that is great because once you come in, you find a family in entrepreneurship uh, like no other. So I'd like to give an analogy of, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, I, I believe it takes a village to, to grow a business. And the fact that I found not only, you know, a village, but I, I, I'd call this a homestead because you have people I call, I call Mr. Chairman the founding father because, you know, when you have a dad, for example, who believes in you, then uh, it helps you believe in yourself and believe you can, can do anything. And um, that experience has been repeated over and over because now we have five, six Harambeans, including the Prosperity Fund, who've invested in market force over the years. And when we came into the Harambean Alliance, we we hadn't been accepted into Y Combinator yet. You know, we hadn't raised our pre-seed fund yet, but they believed in us and we, we felt accepted into the home. So uh, that's what this means to me. It's community, it's family. And every day I meet uh, more inspiring people, uh, people who are willing to help. My new mom, Miss Shah, who, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah is supporting us as, as we continue to grow. So that's what Harambeans means to me. Got one, thank you. And uh, Mr. Abiyeji, I might even challenge you on the fact that in this group, they don't tell you that you're crazy or they, that you're not crazy, but that they believe and trust in your crazy. Um, and you know, we need crazy entrepreneurs like ourselves um, that have audacious goals to make the changes we need within Africa. Um, so I'm, I joined in 2021, so I'm still new to the Harambe Alliance. So I feel like I'm part of the family already. And I thought maybe I would share some experiences I've had um, from Bretton Woods in December. Um, and why we're all sitting here today, being able to have candid conversations and feel like family. Um, and some Harambians uh, that joined me in Bretton Woods might say it might be because we uh, turned up as strangers and put into a room and said, okay, you have to share beds now. 
Um, but truly, for me, it was on the first day where we all got together and we didn't know each other. Um, and we were told, you know, please stand up in front of the, the room full of people and share your greatest failure. Um, and in that moment, you know, everyone really dug deep and got vulnerable. Um, and I think there's power in vulnerability. Um, and everyone kind of after those moments, you know, lowered their walls and said, you know, we don't need egos in this room. It's not a show. It's not a showcase of who's the best or who's raised the most. But really, you know, we're here to help each other build towards this grand vision that we all have, no matter what type of company or what type of industry we're working in. Um, and from there, I have felt uh, like I'm not alone, that we have this family, like you mentioned, and we need a family to be able to build billion dollar companies. Um, and, you know, when I initially applied to Harambe, um, you know, I felt like I had that uh, trust, which was incredible, from Mr. Idris Bello, Mr. Lewis Gale, and various other Harambians that interviewed me at the time. Uh, our vision and company was just a dream and idea on a piece of paper. And um, receiving trust and support from, you know, each of you, having the conversations and being vulnerable uh, definitely uh, helps scale faster your company. Um, and I think that's really kind of the, with Harambe, you have this, this essence, these traditions, um, and what are our culture of rituals that help us, you know, really form that trust. Um, yesterday, I was having lunch um, with some Harambians and, and Bridget, and we were speaking about the Rose Thorn and Bud. And in that Rose Thorn and Bud session that anybody was there yesterday, um, would have known that it's not a show and afterwards, you know, you might find a Harambian come up to you and say, oh, okay, I'm going to help you with your thorn and I've had that same thorn and this is what I did. Or I'm going to help you turn that bud into a rose. Um, I have the right connections. I will happily introduce you. Um, and that's something very unique uh, to this alliance that I've experienced. Thank you so much. So it, it looks like we, we have some time. So what I was thinking we can do, maybe I'll sort of give up one of these mic is, you know, if there's anything from those that are, on, you know, on this side of, uh, of the audience here to be able to say, you know, sh is there something that you think they should also have brought up that you, you're thinking of? For the benefit of those that are here, at least uh, for the first time, like as we're thinking about the Arambians, where it's come from, where it's been, where it's going, one thing or one or two perhaps that you're thinking we should bring up. Anyone in the, in the audience here? Thank you. Thank you. You know, it's really inspiring as, a, as an incoming, um, you know, um, member, as I call it, members, a part of the alliance. It's really, um, really inspiring to hear from you guys, having been there, paved the way for us. So my question is, how do you see the next generation of Arambeans looking like? Having been there, you know, and now looking at the people in this room, more people coming, you know, and of course, you know, representing Africa and different other continents. How do you see the next generation and what would you want it to be like from where you sit um, as, as a previous or, you know, oldie in the, in the alliance? <laughs> I, I see he's already giving the mic, but Mr. Mbago is giving the mic over, so. I'm already a grandfather, huh? <laughs> no, um, you know, I think w when we started this journey, right, believing in Africa was the hard thing, right? You know, you went to, you went to some of these, even, you know, many of the people that I met in the Alliance, 
eventually you know had to make life decisions that that were real and they, you know it was too hard for them to index their entire existence around the continent and um, we've had many tear-filled sessions where we're like this is too hard why are we doing this let's just pack it in and send off mr louis gill to italy <laughs> you know um but um but you know that was a hard thing then and the way i see it is like you know having gone through all of this and starting to see some fruits the worst thing we can do is to um, very much, as Chairman said, believe that we have arrived and stop there. Um, now we're, we're in the rooms we never dreamed we would be in, right? Um, we now have to parlay that, um, um, the privilege, right, to do harder things. And so, I mean, for me, I think building the people was the first step. Then, you know, we spent the next five years building, or 10 years really. The first five years was building the people. The next 10 years was building the businesses. And we've delivered that. Now we've got to think about the economies. And um, for me personally, it's, look, if, and that's my own personal goal. If the businesses in this alliance over the next 10 years cannot double Africa's GDP, at the very least, we failed. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very clear, you know, it's a very clear, so. So that's, that's, that's my answer. Let's, let's let the older people answer. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's hard to follow on from that answer. But I think also we've talked about, you know, leadership, growing leadership, and, you know, we all are. And I think the type of leadership that we have in this room is maybe different for, it is different from the existing leaders of 10 years ahead of us um, and will be different from the leaders that are 10 years or the generations to come. We, I spoke to some Harambians yesterday about Gen Zs and how opinionated they are and uh, their goals and what they want and it's hard to manage. But I think really equipping them with the right skill set um, but also aligning them on the vision and mission of Harambe and how that might change according to what Africa's needs are and empowering them uh, to grow their companies um, according to solving you know, what those current problems are is going to be pretty critical um, to make sure that we can continue. Yeah. So, so thank you. Uh, so you know, again, we, as, as I said, our job, at least for this morning, was to really sort of set up the discussions that will follow. Uh, so I think at this point, I'm not going to be ashamed in sort of cutting this into the, to the, the half hour rather than the hour. Uh, but to, to do that, I, I wanted to sort of maybe sort of take the last two minutes, I believe I still have two minutes, uh, to at least sort of put up some questions. So one of the things that you're talking about is, you know, we are not going to rest, or what does actually tomorrow look like? So with any case, right, we're always going to leave something out there. So one, there's sort of two things that you know, were exciting for me to decide that this was going to be a good HBS case to write. Because there's sort of two things that, or at least, at least one or two things in a case that you know, reasonably informed people are going to disagree on. Right? And so one of the things that, uh, that comes up, if you can actually move me to the next slide. I can. So how do <laughs> Yeah, I could, I, you know, I'm still behind the technology. Some things I can't, I can't, I can't do. I'm used to putting it on a dot com, you know. <laughs> uh, 
Yes. And so, yeah, so, so I guess, you know, sort of one of the things or the questions here is sort of what does success look like, right? So I guess as you're sort of thinking about what Arambians have done, right? So if, you know, if we just look at the numbers, right? So do we sort of have a way we can say there's actually been impact? So I sort of tend to think of impact or success in sort of these three ways. You know, so the last one could be divided into two. The first one is inputs. Like we are bringing in people, we are bringing in, uh, sort of, you know, Arambians, we are bringing in investors, we are recruiting. Those are the inputs to the system. And then we do events like this, which is sort of the process to get things going. And then we have outputs and outcomes, right? I think some people sort of tend to differ in terms of are they the same thing, right? But I think at the end of the day, in anything that we do, we care about the outcomes, right? We have to make sure we have the right inputs. We have to make sure we are actually sort of doing the right things to be able to get to the outcomes. Because as you're saying, if we get to a few years from now and we have not really created jobs, perhaps we haven't done much. So if I, let's see, I get some. Ah, all right. That was, so if I could go back, if you could go back. There are some things that are supposed to show down there, but anyways. There we go, right? And so here are some of the things that we're doing. Right? So I guess one thing that for me was interesting in the beginning, we had lots of discussion. So, you know, we are sort of taking in, you know, students, or I guess the original idea was to take people from the elite universities, right? So, so why, right, you're sort of taking people that you think you're actually going to be winners. But if you're sort of thinking about inclusivity, you're thinking about, you know, is this something that is going to drive prosperity for Africa, which sort of means for everyone, is that the right way to do it? So that's, again, you can debate that, right? On one hand, you're saying if you really want to show that Africa can do things, that by Africa here I'm really generalizing, right? that we can do things on the continent of Africa. We want to be able to have those things, things that actually happen. But on the other hand, then we also want to be able to bring everyone along. So again, that's something that we have to be thinking about as we're moving forward. Uh, and then what does success? Just with the numbers, right? If this room gets bigger and bigger and bigger, is that success? Uh, and then also in sort of terms of is raising capital sort of the metric that we're going to be looking at? Or is it jobs? Is it prosperity? But how do we even capture some of those things? Again, these are some of the things that I hope as we go throughout the day, we're actually going to be, to be discussing. And so that was sort of one of the things, right, in terms of how do we even think about what Haranda is doing? And then the last thing is, I think I sort of watched a video that uh, Mr. Oppenheimer here was sort of talking about sort of his thoughts of what Haranda was. We're sort of talking about we need sort of the, the thousands. If you go on to the next slide here, I, I'm being kicked out, but I do promise I will be finishing up shortly. Right, so we have sort of, I guess the first one is Lord Hastings and then the next one would be uh, uh, Mr. Oppenheimer here, which is this idea that, you know, as Arambe is growing, right, so is the rate at which Arambe is growing, the 25 to 30 a year, the right one, right? Is, do we need uh, thousands, right, of the Arambians to grow? So if you also go to the next slide, again, you're sort of repeating the same idea here, which is, you know, that the extraordinary entrepreneurs that are in this room that are also part of this alliance, Right, that you know, to really make a change, to move the dial, you're going to need a lot and a lot uh, of, of them. So as you're sort of closing, my last summary slide, and I promise this is my last summary slide, uh, is this idea of these two questions. What is impact? And then is a thousand or is a few the right way we want to do? And I think some of the discussions that we're going to have uh, today will actually sort of look at that. And one of the things that I always, at least when I'm talking to my students, to, be, to keep in mind is when you're growing, Right, so there's growth, that sort of gives you scale. But you also have to think about your impact, and if we talk about corporates, you have to think about profitability. 
Are you sustainable? And the one thing that is often forgotten is the idea of are you mitigating risks, right? If you're going to build the very fastest car, you need the brakes to make sure that that car stops, right? Because you want to get out at some point, but you don't want to be able to control. So as that happens again, we need to be thinking about what risk do you face as an organization? Are you having the right controls in place to be able to meet that? So thank you again, and I'm looking forward to the discussion that will follow. Uh, I think you know, we have done amazing things here. Uh, I'm sort of looking forward to, uh, to even more. This is the, the biased part uh, of, of, of me. But thank you, and thank you to our panelists.